Might as well try to run her in the classic. We obviously know that a mile and a quarter is not an issue. She won the Alabama at a mile and a quarter. She's obviously very good at that distance, so why not? I think her best distance is going longer. I think they have to run her in the classic. I'll say this. Not even, I mean, you're totally right. Horse of the year. You absolutely have to go for it. You're talking about one of the best three-year-olds of all time if she wins the Bootersville Classic. Period. There were these two racing dudes named Aaron and Jared who had advice some racing and they wanted to share it. Started a website where players go to see all their picks. The goal was make the fans some money and to cut down the risk. They put the plan into motion and at first it seemed silly. Make a website where the expert picks are freer than Willie. From a racetrack veteran to just a beginner. There's one place that you want to go to find you a winner. As a matter of fact, I want to hit the exacta. There's only one site that she'll keep coming back to. So next time that the horses all line up at the post, make sure you use the website that'll win you the most Whether Churchill, Oakland, Goldstream Park, Saratoga And all tracks in between There's only one side to go to When it comes to your racing needs and all of your bets Plus it's got a catchy name that no one ever forgets RacingDudes.com For all of your needs RacingDudes.com For all of your leads RacingDudes.com For all of your bets RacingDudes.com As good as it gets RacingDudes.com For all of your needs RacingDudes.com For all of your leads RacingDudes.com for all of your bets, RacingDudes.com, as good as it gets. What is up? I'm Jared Welchies, Aaron Haltzman. This is Blinkers Off. What's up, my man? What is up, man? It's, uh, it's a big weekend coming up. My goodness. We got Belmont going crazy, Keeneland going crazy. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. And, of course, we have to look back at what we saw uh, last <laughs> weekend as well. So we got a big show. It's uh, it's it's a huge show because not like the show... Is the final show? We'll like, I mean, like officially talk about the Triple Crown season, uh, which is awesome. And then we'll also—it's the final week of uh, of Breeders' Cup, uh, Breeders' Cup Challenge races. So it's the final Triple Crown, final Breeders' Cup kind of preps. And after this show, everything literally goes into you know the preparations for uh, the Breeders' Cup. So yeah, it's a huge show. Yeah, and thank God, you know, no more Breeders' Cup preps, no more Kentucky Derby or Triple Crown talk or preps. I mean, it's been a long road. I told you earlier in the week, it's like we didn't hardly even get to enjoy, you know, the Triple Crown or the uh, Breeders' Cup preps this year because it was right in the middle of of the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this Breeders' Cup. And really, once that gets over and done with, we're kind of back on calendar. Uh, and really, we kind of are back on the calendar once once the Preakness ended. It's like, okay, now it feels like a normal year again. So that's that's nice to have that back. Yeah, I mean, it. We and we knew when they, everything started getting rescheduled, we kind of knew we had we kind of had a pep talk, you know, like, okay, it's going to get wild these next several months. Like, we are just going to be one thing after another. And it was, but I mean, it just feels like it's. It's, it's it went by so fast and like you say you didn't feel like you you almost were you know everything was like get to the breeders or get to the Connecticut derby get to the preakness get mm-hmm. and now all those races in between were all mixed in with with uh with breeders cup challenge races and like you say as soon as you get the, the preakness over you have one weekend left uh of uh of challenge races and that's it so yeah it is kind of a uh a weird it's been weird for sure but with that Preakness result, with kind of the way some of these races are shaping up, we're we've got our hand like this is going to be one hell of a Breeders' Cup, no doubt. Oh, there's no question. This is going to be a very very good Breeders' Cup, and it's going to be the best Breeders' Cup Classic as far as deciding a lot of awards. Uh, you know, three year old of the year uh, on the male side and, and horse of the year uh, is going to be deciding the Breeders' Cup, and that's something we haven't had in a little while. You know, we've had turf horses win it. Uh, you know, and, and things like that. But yeah, to have the classic comes down come down to horse of the year is really exciting. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be good. We've got a lot. I mean, you know, a lot of different divisions are, are looking really good. And then to have it at Keeneland, very cool to have it back there. No fans, that sucks, but it's still a great setting uh, for an event like the Breeders' Cup. So yeah, a lot to look forward to. Uh, one more uh, big weekend here to kind of decide who we're gonna pick, and then it's just a couple of weeks of really studying hard. 
for the big races, man, you know, 14, 14 Breeders' Cup races, uh, a lot of work goes into that, and it starts it starts right away. Yep. Uh, all right, we got, we will talk, I want to talk about the, uh, you know, what you mentioned, like, kind of what's all in line in the Classic and some of these Breeders' Cup races. We'll talk about that a little bit as we talk about the Preakness, but before we get to anything else, best thing you saw today? Um, I'm going to cheat. It was actually a couple of days ago. So there was a guy uh, or gal, I don't know, on here that's named Rick James, you know, that has the name Rick James comments. <laughs> on our, yeah. our, our live shows and sometimes on the pods. And uh, so I was I was pissed off, uh, you know, in a bad mood because of the Preakness and uh, OU sucks and it's a lot of anger going on in my life. And so I decided to watch the Rick James, Dave Chappelle episode. <laughs> That's got to be, and I don't know if it'll ever be top, that's got to be the funniest uh, television episode of anything ever. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's just freaking hilarious. I mean, absolutely freaking hilarious. That that episode. Uh, Charlie Murphy, True Hollywood Stories, talks about Rick James. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch it. Charlie Murphy! <laughs> that was you haven't seen this. And if you haven't, I, I mean, maybe you're like 10 years old and that's why you haven't seen it because... It's the funniest, bitch. I mean, it's the funniest thing ever. It still is, and it still holds up. You know, however long ago they did that, that's been a while now. Um, man, I just, I just laughed hysterically. Did you watch that on Saturday, like after the, like the evening? It seems like I watched it Sunday because I was, I was pissed off Saturday, and then OU played, and then it was time for bed. And I think Sunday I was like, I got to do something to get out of this funk of just being angry. So I watched, <laughs> it. I watched it. It was really good. I'll yeah. save the rest of my anger. That I have left for the Preakness segment, but yeah, that's the best thing. That's the best thing I <laughs> yeah. saw today. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna want to tune in for that. I definitely thank you for that because uh, after the fact, when you guys listen to this, of course, right now everyone listening uh, live. If you are listening live uh, on uh, Streamyard, you know via Facebook, Twitter, or, or, or YouTube. But if you listen to this after the fact, you're gonna hear a lot of little clips there. I'm gonna play some yeah. Rick James clips for sure. So uh, <laughs> enjoy that. I'm Rick James, bitch. I cannot wait, by the way, to get into this Preakness talk with you because I know how pissed you were. Yeah. Uh, you had a lot of hate in your heart that day, um, for sure. And and, and uh, obviously, you know, we've had a week or so to to kind of digest it. And so I'm uh, sure, you know, I'm interested to know what you think and uh, but, well, I know what you think, but people might not want to know. Uh, best thing I saw today has to be that I think, I mean, I'm like, not, we're like at 90, 96%, I would say. Uh, we got the credential form today. So the racing dudes, as in you and me, another Breeders' Cup. We will be there. Um, assuming, you know, there's, not, you know, who knows? It, it, right. In this environment, who knows, right? right. Uh, but the plan is for us to be at the Breeders' Cup, one of the only ones, I guess, at the Breeders' Cup. So we kind of will have a uh, a private <laughs> Breeders' Cup um, for the racing dudes. I think that's what it, I'm going to say for us. You know, we just kind of walk wherever we want to walk and, and yep. get you know some exclusive coverage while at the Breeders' Cup. But, so that'll be fun. It's kind of a weird time. Uh, uh, but, of course, uh, you know, I don't know... I. It doesn't sound like we're going to get like some of the other guys to be there. I think they're a little afraid uh, <laughs> to fly. You and I live close enough to Lexington where we can drive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's exciting because it's going to be our first trip in, well, the time the Breeders' Cups ran, almost uh, like 10 months. Yeah. So have, it's been left, a long time coming. Yeah. I haven't left the state since March. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been kind of crazy. Yeah. So driving to the Breeders' Cup, I think. I think they're only allowing two people, though, right? Like we don't even have the option, do we, to have other people other from the yeah, team? So probably not. Yeah. Sorry, guys, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're still gonna go. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Uh, and, and to be in an event like the Breeders' Cup and nobody there, hardly, that's gonna be like really odd. Like the richest race in America, and it's like, huh, that's weird. There's like ten people here watching it, you know. So that's gonna be really strange. Uh, you know, to be at that place like Keeneland the last time the Breeders' Cup was there, you could barely walk and to have nobody there. I mean, it's going to be wild. It's going to be very different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think uh, – I, I hope they I hope they approve us. I think since they sent that, they're going to approve us. But I, we could still ruin that, I guess, somehow. But we'll I, I think you have to <laughs> – uh, which I think you – who knows? I mean, I think there was some uh, – yeah, you know, obviously got a test negative – 
uh, within like five days of, of getting there. So there's, there's really no telling. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's true. I, I can't, but, uh, right. uh yeah. <laughs> that's, that should be another best thing I saw today. Right. That I am yeah. uh, finally feeling better after two weeks of having COVID. I guess I can go ahead and make that announcement. Yeah. I had COVID. So that was, uh, well, all joking aside, it sucked. Um, I, my symptoms actually started two weeks ago when Halter and I were together, mm-hmm. and somehow he did not get it. We both have been obviously quarantined separately since. Uh, I got tested on that following Saturday morning. Um, so yeah, I, I've had it. It's not been fun, but I am finally kind of, it's been, this is day 14, and I'm finally feeling like a little bit better. Yeah. So. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's been a long time, and uh, yeah, for people who think it's it's not too big of a deal, uh, it's uh, <laughs> just ask Jared. He's it's taken me a long time to feel like you said somewhat better. So it's good news, though. It's good that you feel better. That's that's very good news. Yeah, I mean, it's been brutal. It's not just that. It's it, obviously it sucks being sick, but it also sucks, you know, being away from uh, my family, you know, and my my boys, and not yeah. being able to, you yeah. know experience things with them and that that so that was hard for sure um but you know it, you know I, it could have been a lot worse for me and I, there's a lot of people out there that i've ex- are experiencing a lot worse but uh just wear your mask you know and, and wash your hands like i think it's as simple as that so um just just take care of yourselves and hopefully everyone else is but yeah i'm doing better so thankfully and maybe next week we can uh we can finally get back together i feel like it's 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 been yeah. a while so um, all right, sure. uh, today's show we got a big show. Like we mentioned, we're gonna we're gonna recap last weekend's one million dollar Preakness Stakes won by the Philly Halterman's favorite Swiss skydiver. Then we're gonna get some rapid fire selections for the year's final Breeders' Cup winner in Challenge Series races from Belmont Park. Let's go! The Phillies in front, Swiss skydiver by a neck. Authentic on the outside, second, Pneumatic is third. Art Collector is coming under pressure, he has to do better. After that, in fifth position comes Jesus' team. Three quarters up in 111.24, and they're into the stretch, and it's Swiss Skydiver, the Philly, and the Kentucky Derby winner, Authentic. They are nose to nose as they arrive at the final furlong. Swiss Skydiver digs in at the rail. Authentic on the outside, these two putting on a show. The Derby winner in the Philly, Swiss Skydiver inside, Authentic outside. They're nose to nose, all the way to the wire, and it is going to be was it the Philly Swiss Skydiver? I think she did it. On Saturday, October 3rd, Swiss Skydiver, the Philly, upsets Authentic in the Preakness Stakes. A Breeders' Cup winner in event as well for the the Classic, which we'll talk about that a little bit too. But, man, pay twenty five forty to win Authentic. I mean, what an absolute... I mean, we just listened to the, to the, uh, to the race call there and just unbelievable finish. What an epic... Uh, just throw down between the Philly and Authentic, who of course had won uh, had won the Kentucky Derby the race prior. I mean, you, you heard we heard from Bob Baffert after he, he couldn't even believe he lost the race, and not only did he lose, but Swiss Skydiver the Philly, who had just lost the Kentucky Oaks, <laughs> won. So what? I mean, just an unbelievable race. It, you know, first of all, let's let's give credit where credit is due. That's got to be number one. The Philly Swiss Skydiver. I mean, she was incredible. This was one hell of a race, one hell of an effort. She deserves all the credit in the world. I ranked her number one as far as an overall three-year-old uh, in the NTRA poll, just because you look at her campaign and now she's beat the boys and it's just amazing what this Philly's done. So so major, major, major credit to Swiss Di- Skydiver and major credit to the old dug up out of nowhere, Robbie Alvarado gives a stellar ride. I mean, the the decision to get the jump on everybody else, you know, coming into that far turn, won the race. Uh, you know, that was a tremendous, tremendous job to get the lead and stay on that inside, stock the pace, don't get up right on it, but get right, right off of it to where you're in position. And then once you get a hold, take that, take that, what they're giving you and go. Uh, tremendous job, Robbie Alvarado, and, and, and a tremendous job by Swiss Skydiver, to, to still have to out finish authentic like she did. She just wouldn't let him buy. 
So bravo to those two. That is where I'll start. I, I think you can't give enough credit to those to, to Swiss Skydiver and Robbie Alvarado. Yeah, I mean, it was such a, you know, let's talk about the race in itself a little bit with when you had the way they were running on the backstretch, it was it was the two Bafferts, Thousand Words uh, and, and Authentic, and they were in, in Thousand Words on the inside, and they were really just ne- you know, nose-nose, just running side-by-side, side, you know, setting the pace, and and it was just like, holy shit, I mean, the, they're just going to basically use one for a blocker, and, and they're both right there, and, and yet Authentic never really went. Um, mm-hmm. Thousand words started to back up pretty heavily. That's when Swiss Skydiver made, you know, Alvarado made that split second decision to move to kind of cut between them as he started to come back. And all of a sudden, Swiss Skydiver's in front of Authentic. And that was the most shocking thing, especially, you know, for those, uh, you know, that had watched the, the, the Kentucky Derby with Authentic and what he did and just using the speed. Um, all of a sudden, he's like, oh shit. This, I've got to, I've got to catch him now. I got to catch her now, and you know, credit to the horse. The horse just battled and ran his ass off to try to keep up, and he kept thinking down the stretch. It was kind of similar to the Kentucky Derby when you kept assuming Tis Law was going to get by Authentic. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. You're like, wait, he's not. And that's similar to this race when you kept thinking, well, Authentic's going. To, I mean, it's, it's Swiss Skydiver. It's the Philly. There's no way she. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. It's like, no, she just kept. <laughs> battling this is a horse uh that just at a mile and a quarter well this was a mile and a quarter but that kind of the classic distance mile through 16th in this race but a mile and a quarter did like you can tell this is a horse that has no stop on her when the longer they go it was really really incredible to like you just said to watch that and once again think in the stretch well authentic he's gonna get by and he doesn't just like the derby well tis the law is gonna get by and he doesn't but, uh, you know, I, I think, I just think, you, again, you just can't give enough credit for, for, for Robbie Alvarado and uh, Brandon Duhon, you, you know, you call him a homer jockey because you, you grew up in Louisiana. You, you live in Louisiana and you saw Robbie as a kid. Uh, listen, Robbie Alvarado was the first jockey that I ever liked because he rode curling. And uh, I didn't I didn't know anything about racing. I thought, right, this, this Robbie Alvarado guy must be something else to get this mount on, on curling. Um, so no, I, I'm with you. I've always liked Robbie uh, as a writer. I, I should point out, um, maybe not as a human being as much, but as a writer, I've always liked him. But uh, he, uh, you know, just my dad texted me right out of the race. He, he said I didn't even know Robbie was still a, a jockey. Like I, I, I didn't know, you know, because <laughs> he follows you know very very few circuits here in the Midwest, and you know, it's, it's understandable. I mean, he 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 has fallen big time, but but a great ride. Give him all the credit. You know, an amazing story about and I'll, I'll, or uh, uh, Magic told us, and he, I think he saw it on DRF or or some Blood Horse or something. And he they mentioned it on Magic Mike as well. It's the best thing he saw. Um, such a cool story about how you know because he obviously not the regular rider for Swiss Skydiver. Um, Tyler Gaffione, you know, had was going to get in that kind of last second, uh, literally um, backed out. And it kind of when it came to entries and they had to get somebody and he he chose Robbie, but said that, that here's the deal. If you do, you have to come all week. You have to work the horse. You have to hold her when they when they bathe her. You have to, you know, basically <laughs> live with the horse, essentially. And, uh, you know, there he goes. McPeak on Steve Bick. And literally just had you have to kind of get acquainted with this horse this filly because she needs to be able to trust you and <laughs> tyler gaffleone had to wanted to stay to ride for chad brown and keelan and uh robbie alvarado picked up the check so i uh, it's pretty amazing you look at it, how that how that all kind of played out but uh just goes to show you that you know it, it was not exact i mean it's such a weird deal, right? Because not like we all said it prior to the race, like kind of felt like it was just a last second addition to have her run. Like we're not going to run their Preakness. Now we are going to run their Preakness. And then all of a sudden you can't even find a jockey and you find Robbie Alvarado. Like what the hell are they doing? This horse, like, is it just a matter of an ownership type of decision that they just want to run in the Preakness? Like, no, (laughs) it's just, there's a lot of things that went into this that just made that result shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I'm glad we got to, to give credit because I feel like I really didn't do a good job of giving credit 
to the winner on our live show. So let's get to the real story here. All right, uh, let's do it. Here we go. What did you think of Authentics Ride? Well, and again, I was really upset on the live <laughs> show, and I really haven't changed my opinion on it at all. I, this is one of the worst rides you'll ever see in a Triple Crown race. So it's, it's just that simple. I just cannot, I cannot phrase it any differently because I would be lying if, if, I, if I said, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. I still think it was just as bad as the second it happened. And if you watch the live show, you heard me saying it. He's got to go. He's got to get separation. I knew in my heart when Authentic got passed and he was not ahead, he was beat. Now, I'm going to give Authentic a lot of credit because when I thought he was beat, I thought he was beat by a lot because I didn't see him having it in him to re-rally. That's just not what that horse does or likes to do. So I think Authentic deserves a lot of credit, too, to not have the trip that he wanted and, and to still almost win the race. He, he deserves credit for that. But it was a terrible ride by Johnny Velasquez. Um, you know, you remember in the Derby, they talked about, we're going to keep him wide. We're going to keep him out away from horses because he likes to get locked in to another horse if he's if he's right next to him. Well, where the hell did that go in the Preakness? Why does that... You, you walked right into a thousand words. I mean, either kick away from him or get away from him. One of the two. And if you're going to just sit right on him and be patient, I guess. Okay, I could still live with it. I don't like it, but I could still live with it. But the second you see Swiss Skydiver make that move, go with her. First, A, you should be the one making the move, not Robbie. Right. But if you're going to get out road by Robbie, which... <laughs> It's almost incredible to sit here and say this, but you're going to get out road by Robbie. At least the second that you see him make that move, go, go with the with her, and then you're stuck with her, and it's a it's a head head bob right at the stretch instead of you trying to make up links with a horse that doesn't like to do that. He wants to be in front. He wants to be out away from everybody. It's a it was a it was a horse shit, terrible, awful ride. And then his comment even made me more upset. He said after, I tried to do what I'm describing here. Bob Baffert's pissed too, by the way. I tried to do that, but the horse just didn't have it today. That even made, like, that made me so mad that you didn't accept responsibility for that terrible ride. To say the horse didn't have it today when he came within a nose of winning the Preakness in a time that was almost a record time, she ran the second fastest Preakness ever, which means the Secretariat, which means he did too, by the way, right? And to say, and then to cut, and to be so asinine to say the horse didn't have it today, I about blew a gasket. Like I had to get <laughs> away from, I had to turn off the phone. I had to get away from everything because it's like if you just would have said, you know, he got the jump on me. You know, I screwed up or he didn't, you didn't have to say you screwed up. Just say, hey, you got the jump on me. We tried. He was second best today. I could have lived with that. But to say he didn't have it today, I don't know how Bob Baffert, I don't, I mean, well, I, I don't, don't know how that, he didn't punch him right in the face. I don't think he's going to be riding him in the, in the classic. Let's just put it that way. Uh, if, problem, I, if he, if he said it once, he said it 10 times after the race, Bob Baffert about this horse's main, like, his main weapon is his speed. And he and he like he even said the words, I cannot believe we got beat today. Like he was so confident with this horse running in this race. And clearly he ran a huge race. Um Yeah, just he he couldn't believe he wasn't separating from that lead as well. I'll give Baffert credit. He subtly said the jockey sucked without saying it. Like he classily kind of said this ride was horseshit. Um the problem, the problem with replacing him he did such a masterful job in the derby it's really hard to fire him yeah and he's one of the best writers of all time and that's the other thing it's just like so i said on the live show it's just like how can these guys that are so good johnny velasquez is probably one of my favorite writers how can you do, and how can you sit there at the derby and say we did this and we did this and we did this and this is what it worked and you did none of that in the preakness? It's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. And you got your friend Thousand Words who's trying to do his job. The only reason he's in the race is to block these other horses. You know he's doing it. 
He's blocking. He he is literally the blocker for you with Swiss Skydiver and Art Collector right behind him. So he can cut off whoever he wants. And you won't go take the lead. I just, I couldn't believe it. But that's it for me. I'm going to bury it after this. I mean, but, and you and you got to at least think too, like it, you could say, not, and again, I don't want to, you could, I'll let you criticize the jockey. But uh, like, I don't want to get into like what he was thinking, but he probably didn't assume like because uh, you minus to a skydiver authentic wins by a million in that race you know he he rolled so it's like he probably didn't assume the swiss skydiver wouldn't run that big of a race and be yeah. you know so it's almost a little bit of cocky riding in, in a sense too like i don't need to i can do what i need to do to win this race and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit swiss skydiver just moved up on the inside of me and she's in the lead it, i've got to go now what you're saying is 100% accurate. I think that's what happened. I think even when he saw her, he probably wasn't too worried about it. But here's the deal. The the difference between an elite horse and just a really good horse with a lot of talent, the elite, the, like a, an authentic is not elite because he's really quirky. He, he has to have certain th- things right. go his way to win. He has to have a certain trip to win. A really elite horse would have beat her would have got past her. I really believe that. Not, And that's not a knock on her at all. But a really elite horse still, he was in total position to win. The problem is that's not what he wants to do. He has a really hard time winning like that. He, he needs does, to... He's not, he's not one of those that battles either, you know? No. When he, kind of, he, kind of, he did battle, but in a sense, he like he, he won't go past that horse when it comes time. No. Um, he, he likes to run with the others um and said when he's in the lead he kind of does his thing you know we saw it a little bit in the in the stance in the derby when he you know he just he lost he didn't have the lead and he just clearly didn't want to get you know get to the front whereas when he's in the lead he just keeps going yeah he needed he wants to turn for home with a with with the advantage and if he he's got the advantage turning for home he's going to win that race. He's going to win the Preakness. It may have been just as close, but it would have been his nose or neck in this case that would have got down for the win. But again, it's hard. It's it's hard to, it's hard to be overly critical of him because I still feel like I'm taking a lot away from Swiss skydiver who I, I'm certainly not. I mean, she had to go out and still win it. They were well clear of everybody else. It's not like authentic, you know, got in all kinds of traffic and this and that he's still in a position to win. But, you know, when he comes down to that kind of margin, you got to know that if he would have got the jump, he would have won the race. And he absolutely should have gotten the jump. And there's no excuse that he didn't. Um, all right. So we've got let's talk about a few questions now that come from this race. One, the big one, you mentioned it a second ago. You have the three classic winners. You know, you have uh, Tizalaw. Uh, of course, he won two of the... Well, it's, I call him two of the classics, but he won the, the Belmont the Travers. You've got Authentic, who won the Kentucky Derby, and you now you've got Swiss Skydiver, who won the Preakness. So those are definitely your three top three-year-olds. Um, you know, she's locked up the, the three-year-old filly, and, I mean, no doubt about it. But, you know, as far as the male side goes, that could go either way still, especially with that loss from Authentic. But... Also, who's the top? Who is the best three-year-old of those three? Well, I voted Swiss Skydiver number one in the poll, uh, so I'll, I'll stick with that. Now, um, the funny thing is, all three of them have a chance to win Horse of the Year if they win the Classic. So that's that's crazy in and of itself that we have three three-year-olds that all three have an equal chance to win Horse of the Year going into the Breeders' Cup. That's amazing. Um, but I think I think who ends up being uh, the top three-year-old you know no matter what what uh, male or female i think it's going to be tizzle or authentic i think they will both turn the tables on swiss skydiver in the classic i think i just think they're a little better than her still um it's it's just going to come down to that classic right now i think maybe tis the law is a tiny bit ahead of authentic going into the classic but it really isn't going to matter it's just going to be who finishes better uh, in that in that spot is who's going to be the three old of the year. So, so much, like I said, so much riding on the classic horse of the year and three-year-old. And then if you mix in, well, hey, we've got Improbable who could win horse of the year. Maximum Security with the win could win horse of the year. I think Tom's a talk could probably win horse of the year with the win. Uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, it's a, but it's a ton of them. You have six horses right yep. there that could win by my standards. Maybe are, if he wins it. I mean, yeah, if you win because it, it's everyone's kind of walk, coming into this classic with a yep. decent to great resume, depending on which horse that that classic would put them over the edge. Because then you have to wait, put the weight into it, saying, "Well, Swiss Skyler just won the classic and beat all these horses. How can she not be horse of the year?" Um, so yeah, it, it's it is it's all, and that's a, I, that was a question I had, but I think you and I both like would agree it's like where do you you know do you run her in the this staff or the classic why you have to run in the classic if you have horse of the year on the line other than the purse obviously the purse is higher but you may be a better chance of winning the, the this staff um than the classic but still i mean if 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 you go win the this staff and then tis or you know improbable or whatever wins the classic guess what she's not winning the horse of the year so you might as well try to run her in the classic. We obviously know that a mile and a quarter is not an issue. She won the Alabama at a mile and a quarter. She's obviously very good at that distance, so why not? I think her best distance is going longer. I think they have to run her in the classic. I'll say this. Not even, I mean, you're totally right. Horse of the year, you absolutely have to go for it. You're talking about one of the best three-year-olds of all time if she wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, period. So a, a three-year-old has never, a three-year-old Phillies never won it. Only one Phillies ever won it, period. I mean, to me, you have a chance to go for like immortality if you win the, if you win the Breeders' Cup Classic, the Preakness, you know, as a three-year-old Philly, I mean, that's unbelievable. She's right up there, Rachel Alexandra talk. Uh, with the win in the classic, so you have to go to the classic. I'm with you. I mean, this will be her ninth. The the, the classic, let's say, will be her ninth start on eight tracks. So she did run at Keeneland, obviously in the Bluegrass. Um, but so far, she's ran eight times at eight different tracks this year. No, I'm sorry, this, that will be the tenth race because the the Preakness was isn't on here. So the Preakness was her ninth of nine of nine, and there'll be nine of ten as for different different tracks. So I mean, this horse is just you, you talk about the campaign in itself uh it's, it's just yeah it's incredible and then you know you win the alabama you put the, on the resume you know the alabama the preakness yeah. and the classic that yeah. that's up there with anyone you know and she she lost the kentucky oaks to a freak performance yeah like it is a shame she didn't win the kentucky oaks she lost it to a complete freak perf- I, I cannot explain how she how how she dares the devil especially after she, how she ran at keeneland last weekend and all her all her races before and then the race after the kentucky oaks she's not on, even in the same five six and, links as with guy and not to get on that but you know when we sit here and we <laughs> when especially when you watch us on these live shows and and you know, when she dares the devil wins the Oaks that day and we're all just like, man, you know, like, damn, that, like, that was rough. Like we all liked her underneath, but to win. And then she comes back and does basically the way she's been running as a handicapper. You just have to, sometimes you, you, you can't get too like, he's going to be like, that shit happens. You know, like you just like, you could have sat there and handicapped that race for, for days and you never would have, assume that she dares the devil would go and win and and put a insane you know increase her buyer by 20 points and put away swiss skydiver you know like that you just can't come up with that uh and then like we say like when you when you bat we come back and say well that horse can't even win the next time out and not really look that great i think she's on the shelf right um yeah she's out so it's like yeah what was that oaks that was a fluke well, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Uh, the Derby and the Preakness, both losses. I'm I'm mad at myself because those were horses you could have had. Uh, I mean, yes, we were surprised, but you look back at him and you go, I really screwed up handicapping. The Kentucky Oaks, you're not mad for a second at yourself because it's like hmm. you can't. And then and then it, it proves after after the race, it's like, well. <laughs> Like you just said, it's just like, well, that, that's just, that's racing. You got beat, but there's absolutely, you go back and it's like, there, I wouldn't have picked her to, to win in a billion years. Right. I mean, like I say, right. I wasn't, like, you weren't surprised she ran okay, but to win and yeah. put away Swiss Skydiver, especially now knowing Swiss Skydiver, really didn't yeah. run that bad in the Oaks, you know, as far as her numbers go. Um, I think she got a 105 for the Preakness. She ran a, a 90, uh, well, I think it was like, a, what was it, like a 105? 
it's a low 100s for the no the 99 for the oaks yeah um yeah. and a 102 for the alabama so it's not like she ran just dramatically bad mm-hmm. it was just that horse freak uh that to hit the oaks and you can't do anything that churchill about that. down churchill downs track that weekend i think it played a big part of it too it was just a funky track a lot of funky results that weekend. Final thoughts. I know we've got a month uh, to digest and, and you know figure out how we're going to handicap this classic. But how like what you know you talked about authentic being you know I think at one point anyways authentic being uh, or improbable I think at one point uh, being your classic horse. You know mm-hmm. do you just. Does that shake that? Or do you shake that after this weekend? I mean, you're, we just talked about six horses that would legit have a shot to win this race. I mean, as we have a month to to, to lead up to this, how, how do you, like what are your early thoughts on how you handicap this race? Sure. Right now, I'm between Tis the Law and Improbable. I think those are my two um, that I'm between as far as winning. I think you got to go deep in this race. Uh, I, I'm hoping we can find a single in this sequence somewhere else because I don't want to go short here. I kind of want to go six deep maybe in this race. Cause I think, I think Tom Sata as at his absolute best is the best horse. Uh, but I, I just don't know what we're going to see from him. It's such a long break, but, but I want to play him for sure. Uh, you know, if authentic gets out on the lead and actually gets a decent trip, he might be really tough to pass. I want to play him. Um, you know, I want to play, like I said, Tizalon Improbable. I was most impressed with Improbable when it comes to all the preps. I thought that was really something what he did. And I like his style of he doesn't have to go to the lead. Um, and I never knew he had that in him until that race uh, at the awesome again. So uh, I, I like Improbable. Uh, I think Tizalon, when you analyze it, I think he's going to get a really good trip. And I think if he can get back to that Travers performance, you know, I think he's going to be really tough. It's going to, it's a really, really tough decision this year. It's going to be fun. But uh, right now I'm between Improbable and Tis the Law on top. But honestly, guys, that could change. And uh, for some of the other divisions, I've got a pretty good handle on it. But that one, that's going to be a, a week of the race decision. Yeah, and of course, you know, you know, that's one that you, you know, we talk about this a lot when you, you kind of, when you are so close and you have these, they're, they're so close as far as which angle to go with. Sometimes you have to, Okay, this horse drew exactly how I'd want them to draw. That's that's where I'm going to go. You have to kind of sometimes, when they're so evenly matched, you know, come up with an angle that you like and just stick with it because it's like you know, if if you don't like the draw from authentic, you know, improbable, you love the draw from Tis the Law, then you say, all right, Tis the Law is the horse, and or maybe that last work, you watched the last work and thought, man, that horse looks good. That's I'm going to go with that because you could sit there all day and try to go back and forth. So, um, all right, yeah, we are. Obviously, we have one more uh, Breeders' Cup. Uh, with we'll talk about this weekend, uh, the uh, the mm-hmm. for the classic, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, which is, you know, Tacitus should win that race, and you know, Tacitus. Uh, I, I noticed you didn't mention Tacitus to to throw into your top horses to win the classic, but he. Uh, we do have one more classic race, and then all uh, all the races will be ready as far as the preps go. And we'll be talking about we'll know that field a little bit deeper now. But uh, Swiss Skydiver. Wins the Preakness, and we think is on to the classic. <laughs> Time for Rapid Fire, presented by the Racing Dudes Inside Track to the 2020 Breeders' Cup Wagering Guide. Work has already begun on an all-inclusive wagering guide for the 2020 Breeders' Cup at Keeneland on November 6th and 7th. Uh, later this year, subscribe to Racing Dudes Premium and get this wagering guide for free. Pre-sale will begin soon on our products page at racingdudes.com. All right, we are in the final stretch here of Breeders' Cup races. We have uh, five left on the card here. Four on Saturday, one on Sunday, all at Belmont Park. We're going to talk about all those, plus one other one at Keeneland on Saturday. So let's kick this thing off at Saturday at Belmont Park, race four. It's Champagne Stakes, grade one. We're 250K for two-year-olds going one mile. It is a Breeders' Cup winner in for the TVG Juvenile, and it's a field of six lined up. But there's a major standout here, and that's number four, Jackie's Warrior for Steve Asmussen. Your three to five morning line favorite, heavy favorite, eight to five on reinvestment risk for Chad Brown. But that's really the two standouts here. I got to think you're going Jackie's Warrior, right? Yeah, and there's just really no reason uh, that I thought reinvestment risk could could turn the tables on Jackie's Warrior. Because you know, when this came out, I thought, well, let's try to try to beat. Uh, uh, Jackie's Warrior, but it's like the, the the first three runners there are that I I mean I don't know how they could ever beat the other three horses in this field. Uh, I went to Midnight Bourbon real quick. 
I thought he was worth a little bit of a look uh, just because, you know, raced in the Iroquois and got second last time out. So that wasn't too bad of a race, but I don't know. Just speed figure wise, I, you know, I think this horse maybe can get underneath and maybe spice up whatever exact it might be. But I think Jackie's Warrior is just a little bit better. And again, I don't think reinvestment risk, who I think is a nice horse. I don't know what factor here is going to make him turn the tables. I think Jackie's Warrior is just a little bit better. I think he wins here and he goes into the Breeders' Cup as the favorite. Yep, I agree. I mean, I, he just is he's a huge standout uh, from every number angle you look at. Uh, you got to think, uh, you know, just stretching out here to a mile is not going to be uh, an issue. And obviously, uh, Aspen has been very, very careful and very particular where this horse is running. So there's just really not a lot of. Uh, downside here for this horse you know you look at that uh i, I don't have the name off the top of my head that that horse that finished third in the hopeful last time out that musta musta beak or whatever for pletcher who came back to the turf and win uh last weekend looked really good by the way we talked about that horse um last week on the pod as a horse that we really liked i mean this horse has just been dominating and like you say if, you, if reinvestment risk is your biz biggest threat here i mean finished second you know kind of under wraps was no match in the in the in the hopeful so you're like how what what factor like you said what factor is it going to be that's going to make jackie's warrior lose here to reinvestment risk so i i think it's basically um i don't want to say as simple as a paid workout but it's close to that i think that this is the mm -hmm. kind of the final race for, like you said for the breeders cup she'll or he'll go into the race as a favorite we're on number four Jackie's Warrior. Next up, race five, the Frazette Stakes Grade 1 of 250K for Phillies. Two-year-olds going one mile, field of seven. This is a Breeders' Cup winner in event for the Juvenile Phillies. And this is a little bit more of a competitive race here. Uh, number one, Vaquis at two to one, nine to five on Katana, uh, Katana for uh, for Aspusen. Five to one on Joy's Rocket, three to one a day out of the office. Uh, after that, you've got some higher-priced horses there, the other three. But those, I mean, obviously makes this a little bit competitive race. Obviously, Phillies, two-year-olds uh, going into the Juvenile Phillies. So, can Aspuson get two here? Can he get uh, you know winners of both these preps for the juvenile races? I'm going to play Cantana, the Aspuson horse, but I'm not going to put that, put her on top. I was really surprised if Aquist was the second choice here. Me too. At two two to one. I kind of think this is maybe a filly that could win at the Breeders' Cup. Like I thought her race uh, last time out in Saratoga in the Spinaway was really something special. I mean, she just dominated that field. That was never you know never in doubt. Now I do realize. Uh, that the Asmussen horse dominated in a maiden special weight as well. So, you know, and then you, you go down to Day at the Office, the other horse that I think has a shot. She's dominated twice. So, in, including the Shadowville there at uh, Saratoga to open up the meet. So, you've got some runaway winners, but overall, I thought the Quist was the one that was most impressive. So, I'm going to go with her on top. I think it's a three-horse race between the, the other two. I mentioned and the Quist, but uh, on top, uh, and I and hopefully we get two to one, I'm taking the horse on the rail. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to agree, I think, a lot on this pod because I'm with you. I mean, I couldn't believe when, when I saw the odds and saw that, you know, she was a second choice here. I mean, anytime you win a grade one and spin away at that, but grade one at Saratoga by 10 links, basically, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Uh, yeah. You know, not just to mention, you know, this horse debuted at, uh, at Parks, which is kind of funny. Uh, beat a horse, but uh, got second. Uh, you know, then went straight to, and after that race, they added in a bunch of uh, uh, of owners. You know, this they sold some ownership to this with this horse. So obviously, took out the attention of a lot of people. And then, lo and behold, the horse goes and wins by ten at Saratoga. So I mean, obviously, lots to like to like about this horse. And then people saw it off that first race. And so, uh, you know. It, you look at the way this you know the horse ran that it just seems like again it seems like another uh situation it just it just clearly stands out i mean i know contano won by 10 as well at saratoga in a main special weight we don't know you know she's very untested as well big time purchase for stone street i like that i mean she definitely could be very good um as well but i you know the class factor for for vinquist the one horse so i think i play the one and two here um, and not much after that. I, I date the office at three to one, you know, another horse that won by impressively at Saratoga and Schuylerville. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just take a stand against, uh, I, she's logical for sure. Um, 
but I just like those two horses on the inside the best. So number one, though, on top for me, Vaquist. All right, let's go later in the card. Race eight, the Flower Bowl Stakes, grade one, 250K for Phillies and Mares. Three-year-olds and up going one and quarter miles on the turf. It is a Breeders' Cup winning your event for the Makers, Mark, Philly, and Mare turf. Field of seven lined up for this one, and boy, is it competitive. Number one, Cambier Park, your five to two more line favorite, but man, my sister Nat for Chad Brown, three to one. Silver Union, three to one. Lost McNair, eight to one. 12 to one. And Bo, Bo Bell. Uh, Nay Lady Nay at seven to two. And Lovely Lucky at 10 to one. I mean, really, it's a wide open field, especially those four top horses. Uh, you know, Chad Brown's got the half sister to, to Sister Charlie with my sister Nat. He's got three in the race total. Shug's got that Civil Union who, who won last time out over my sister Nat. A lot of angles you can play here. Obviously, it was a lot to uh, for the Magic Mike show. They they were back and forth on this race and really disagreed. Where are you going? I am going to go with the horse that Magic did not like at all and is going to leave off of his uh, pick four ticket if you listen to the Magic Mike show. I went to, to number two, my sister Nat on top, uh, and I I was really quite um, surprised. I guess is the word to use that he didn't use this horse at all. You look at her three starts this year, okay, she got beat uh, at Belmont by Mean Mary by over five lengths. Well, Mean Mary is not in this race, and nobody close to Mean Mary is. So, I, you know, I don't think that is a bad thing. She wins the Waya uh, next time out. And then last time, closed really well when really she had no business to. She got a really bad trip in, in that one. Uh, floated wide. I mean, you could just go on and on. And still got second, only beaten by a length. So for all those factors, I really think she's going to turn around here and win with a good trip. And also, it just seems like they all kind of are just going to be bunched together. Like, I, who is going to the lead? It's really hard to decide. And I think that actually helps my sister Nat. I think if they're all bunched in together and they're close together, that just gives her a lot less, you know, room that she has to maneuver as far as passing them all because she knows she's going to be towards the back. I actually think it helps her if they go slower up front. So uh, I, for all those reasons, I did go my sister Nat on top. Uh, the other horse I thought about was uh, Cambier Park. I really like that horse. I think I'll play her as well. Uh, but on top, my sister Nat for me. You know, yeah, I was I was back and forth between the two that you know obviously is causing this uh, Magic Mike feud between my sister Nat and Civil Union. I, I you know you can see an angle for both, and I think you know. To, to, to settle the tie or whatever between those two. You think you gotta play both. I mean, because I, you know, obviously they faced off last time out uh, in the Glens Falls and, and, and still a Union won and, and was closer to the pace. And like you mentioned, Master Nat got a terrible uh, trip that day and still came uh, closing in off of a very slow pace as well. I, I just think I don't see, there's a lot of factors why I ended up going with number three, Civil Union. You know, one, I don't necessarily, like you kind of mentioned it, who's going to go to this pace? Who's going to set the speed? And, and I don't know, really. And I don't necessarily think that, I think Civil Unit's going to get a very similar trip again, uh, which bodes well for her. Uh, she's two for two at Belmont Park. My sister Nat has never won at Belmont Park in three starts. Uh, this distance, this is not my sister Nat's distance. My sister Nat needs about three miles. Uh, <laughs> you know, for, well, she's better going a mile and a half or longer. You know, that's really where she she is the is best. She has one win at this distance and five starts. Uh, by the way, never uh, winning at this distance uh, in the United States. So I just think that she needs more ground. I, I could see my sister Nat being a factor for sure. I, and I think she's got the talent. Um, obviously, being a half-sister to, to Sister Charlie, Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz, back to ride. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to like here, but... I mean, you look at the way Civil Union's been running, three straight wins, including the big jump last time out in that Glens Fall. I mean, I think this horse, this five-year-old daughter of Warfront, is just really running well right now. Rosario back to ride uh, to do it again. I just like that she likes distance. I like that she has a lot enough early pace and enough closing ability to where she'll set a good trip. Um, so I'm on number three, Civil Union. I want to I want to get in on the Magic Mike show bet that they have because they have a bet between La Signer and Bo Bell of who's going to be on the pace uh, or who's going to be ahead at the half mile point. Magic said Bo Bell. Uh, uh, Mike said La Signer. Cambier Park to me, one thousand percent will be on the lead at the half mile point. So, so just I, throw. Can you get in on the bet? <laughs> I will. I hope I can because I think I, if Cambier Park is not on the lead at the half mile pole, 
I, I will be flabbergasted. I, I, I just, when I, everything I look at says, well, it looks pretty obvious that, you know, th this is not a speed horse, but Cambier Park looks faster than, than the rest of these. So yeah, I think, I think it's Cambier Park that's, that's in front. Yeah, I, honestly, I do think too that uh, the Cambier Park is, is that looms dangerous in this race as well. I mean, I, I don't want to throw, I don't want to not mention her at all and be just between my sister Nat and, and Civil Union. I mean, obviously, we hadn't seen this horse uh, since the Queen Elizabeth Cup where she won last out, which we're going to talk about that race later on, last fall. Hadn't seen her until the Canadian back in September at Woodbine. Mm -hmm. And she ran a good second. Well, you know, uh, she ran a decent second, 87 buyer that day off of that kind of layoff. So you've got to think she's going to improve. And obviously, this was a back-to-back uh, -back grade one winner last year to end her year. So, I mean, if you can get her back to um, that kind of level... It's Chad Brown. It's your favorite writer, John Velasquez. Uh, so, you know, I think she's a factor, uh, no doubt in here. And I think also, considering where's the pace come from, where's the pace come from, Chad Brown, I agree. I mean, I think you're going to want to see Cambier Park on the lead, right? To yeah. set that pace and, get, and keep it hot. So, um, a little surprised by the 5-2, to two, to be honest with you, favorite. Yeah. Um, hey, my sister Nat, again, I thought would be favorite if we get 3-1. to one, I mean, I'll take it. Uh, you know, and another horse, while we're, we're you know, Magic said no love for, because I know he likes Nay Lady Nay. Uh, yeah. Nay Lady Nay or the other Chad Browns. So we'll just talk about all the Chad Browns coming in off of a win at uh, at Laurel. Uh, a dominating win, but still, at Laurel. What do you think of uh, no, uh, Nay Lady Nay? Oh, I, I'm going with the with the Samich angle. If you're, if you're going to play one round, yeah, you probably right. need to play all of them. So I would that'll, that horse will definitely be in. Uh, the multi-races for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, that horse, you know, I, right there, right there with these other ones. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, honestly, and I don't hate Civil Union, but I, I kind of think I don't, I'll probably, that'll be the last horse on the ticket. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I like the Chads better than Civil Union. All three of the Chads. Magic, it's you and me, buddy. Civil Union is going to win this race. The final one on Saturday at Belmont Park race on the Jockey Club Gold Cup Stakes. Grade one. We're 250K for three-year-olds and up going one and quarter miles. Field of five lines up for this uh, Breeders' Cup winning your in event for the Longines Classic. Uh, two to one on Happy Saver, bypassing the Preakness and going straight to this one. Uh, prioritized four to one, 20 to one on Name Chant, your Tacitus, your even money favorite. And four to one on Mystic Guide, another three-year-old there. So... <laughs> Field of five, not very good horses, two three-year-olds, and Tacitus. I mean, he's got to win here, right? Well, it sure seems like it would be tough for him to lose. I mean, my God, this race is god-awful. It really is. Um, I mean, I really, every time he runs, I really want to try to beat him, but... I can't remember the last. I, I mean, I can remember the the Jim Dandy was the last time I picked Tassus to win a race, and I, I I almost broke my phone that day. I was so mad. <laughs> uh, I listen. I have to pick him. I just have to. I I'm not gonna single him because I just I just can't do it. But when it comes to the most likely winners of the race, I, I I can't get behind any of these other ones. I mean, I think Mystic Guide maybe. You know, you can see a progression. I think Happy Saver maybe can get a tr like get like trip out, maybe get a wire to wire trip, but Tassus just looks way better here. So I had to pick him. Had to pick him. It's uh, you know, I, I don't know if you need to go all in this race, but I definitely to me I'm playing the two three year olds and Tassus because you know the two three-year-olds are relatively unknown especially happy saver very unknown as far as what he is you know he's undefeated in three starts um you know obviously was a lot of hype with him going into the we thought the pre, going into the preakness uh, at one point and then mystic guide a horse that was very lightly raced this year uh, you know finished third in peter pan won the jim dandy it was uh you know a nice effort beat jesus, uh, is it Je jesus's team or jesus's team whichever horse that is uh who came back to run third in the preakness uh you know a distant third we should say but still ran third uh but when it comes to tacitus i mean he should win like he he's his numbers stand out he's i mean again another example of a horse that likes his distance but he's only guys one win at the distance he's got five starts at the distance he's hit the board in all of them but the only one was a win uh he likes to hang you saw it with global campaign last time out in the woodward 
Uh, then he goes and wins Suburban by eight, you know? He's a very frustrating horse, uh, no doubt. His whole career has been frustrating. Uh, so he should win. I, I wouldn't be shocked at the least to see him win. Um, having said that, I think you have to play more than just him because I sure as hell would not want any of my tickets to be counting on a Tacitus single. I know that much. So no. Tacitus and the two three-year-olds for me. All right, Saturday, let's head to Keeneland now. The Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup Stakes. It's uh, grade one with 500K going a mile and eighth on the turf. It's not a technical Breeders' Cup when you're in event, but you know these horses, a lot of these horses are using this as a final prep for their select Breeders' Cup race. Harvey's Little Goyle at three to one. Sweet Melania for Todd Pletcher stretching out at seven to two. Antoinette at eight to one. Magic Attitude, who came in from overseas off uh, last time out, looked really impressive. Five to two, morning line favorite. Michelin uh, at six to one. Where are you going here? This, I think this is the race of the weekend. As far as it being competitive, you know, you see some pretty nice horses over there at Belmont, but here at Keeneland, this is an incredibly competitive race. I'm swinging right back to Magic Attitude. Uh, you know, I picked her last time at the Belmont Oaks and she won so, so easily. Um, she comes here, this is a much tougher field. There's no question about it. Um, you know, the numbers are really similar between all, a lot of these horses, but I think the biggest difference is Magic Attitude, you know, she earned her speed figure without really getting out of first gear last time out. Like that was super, super easy uh, for her. And it was also her first start in the United States. So I think there's more in the tank if she needs it in this race. And I think she could actually be, you know, run a better race here. Uh, I thought she just looked much, much the best in the Belmont Oaks. Thought she had a lot left in the tank. I think she might get even a better setup in this race. Um, magic attitude for me. I'm going to go right back to her here. And this is a horse that uh, is, is, they've said, hey, do well here. We're going to the Breeders' Cup for sure. So in a way, this is a Breeders' Cup prep, just not by uh, name. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, obviously um, as well, you know, a race that's at Keeneland. You know, this is at Keeneland and the, and the Breeders' Cup's at Keeneland. So you got to think. Uh, a great prep, even though it's not an official prep uh, for the Breeders' Cup. And, you know, after Magic Attitude, I know, you know, between our group, I, you know, I was a little careful. I was like, listen, I, you know, let's not let's not crown her a Breeders' Cup champion yet. Um, but you got to see it again. To me, she was impressive and she won that race like she probably should have. Um, I'm 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 going to her now, I, I think. But she's got to prove it here. This is a much tougher race. Uh, to see if she is Breeders' Cup, you know, caliber. You know, she she won that race like a good horse would win that race, right? Uh, especially off of a off of her international debut. Uh, daughter of Galileo. I mean, obviously, very well bred horse. Uh, yeah, I mean, Castellano's back on board. You know, there's a few in here. I I, I don't know if I'd single there. Um, I think she'll be tough to beat. But I like Michelin at six to one. Uh, Flo getting that mount there. Uh, I like that horse a little bit. I like uh, Antoinette. I tried to beat her Anto uh, Magic Attitude last time out with Antoinette. Uh, I mean, getting cut back a little bit in distance might help her a little bit. Sweet Melania. Sweet Melania is definitely intriguing here. Um, mm -hmm. The daughter of American Pharaoh, who, you know, has been kind of notorious for flying up, fading late. And that's kind of her thing. Now she stretches out um, to a mile and eighth going longer than she's uh, ever gone. You know, she has three mile 16th races under her belt. She did win one of them. Her maiden special weight was a win there. Uh, and then, uh, no, I'm sorry. She did win the Jessamine too. She won that impressively. Over this track. Over this track going gate to wire. Um, so y you could see why uh, Fletcher's thinking, okay, let's stretch, you know, let's try to stretch her out again and see what happens. My thing with her is her numbers just haven't been that impressive no matter where she runs. Um, and I just have a feeling that she's going to be a factor in the pace, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that too. I, I think I think it's all going to depend on what kind of trip she gets. Uh, if she's really comfortable and, and alone out front, she could take them. But I'm with you. I think she's going to get ran down. And Magic Attitude is definitely one of the perfect uh, candidates to run her down. Harvey's Little Goral is a horse I think has a, has a good shot to run her down too. Uh, so I think I think those two. Uh, will be will be too much for Sweet Milani and the rest to handle. You know, and another one that's worth mentioning is Red Lark coming in from uh, for Patrick Gallagher coming in from Del Mar, yeah. who won winner of the Del Mar Oaks last time out. And Drayden Van Dyke comes with her, so you know, obviously, uh, think enough of this horse to, to come with her to think this is a legit Breeders' Cup type horse to go ahead and stay with her in this race. So at ten to one, 
Um, and then you look at like uh, Michelin at six to one. I think there's prices there of horses that I like enough to play with uh, Magic Attitude that, you know, if she just doesn't fire or if, you know, whatever the reason is, you've got some, you know, some bullets underneath at, at prices. And finally, let's go to Sunday. Let's go back to Belmont Park. Uh, it's race seven, the Charity Stakes, grade three with 100K for two-year-olds going six furlongs on the turf. It's a Breeders' Cup winning in for the Juvenile Turf Sprint. And hello, it's the final Breeders' Cup Challenge race of the year. That's right, Magic, you can celebrate. Uh, it is the final one. The final one, and we will be done with the preps. We'll be all about the two days of the Breeders' Cup World Championships. And it's a big one here, a big field. Uh, 11, two of them are main track only, so field of nine, uh, most likely for this one. And you've got, I mean, the odds aren't out yet, but you've got two Wesley Wards in here after five and uh, and the outside the 10 horse trade deal coming in. Trade deal coming in off a win last time out uh, at Kentucky Downs beating the stalemate after five. Um, you know, you got a lot of Kentucky Downs horses that are coming into this race. Uh, as far as that horse, and you've got County Final who came in out of Kentucky Downs out of that juvenile turf sprint uh, where out of door one. So you've got some some Kentucky Downs, you know, past in the past performances here. Some horses coming in from like the Hopeful. Uh, you got some horses that are coming from Mark Cassie's got one here for Team Valor, Rosario riding that's making his debut uh, in the United States. So it's a very interesting field as it relates to uh, not just this one, but as we move forward to the Breeders' Cup. Where are you going? Well, I think After Five is going to turn the tables on Trade Deal today, and I also think. This horse is a really, really nice horse. I thought her, her uh, his, excuse me, debut was super good at Kentucky Downs. I just got a little bit too far behind, maybe a little green. Um, I think I think after five really improves with this start. I know uh, the horse is still a maiden, but I think he really improves here. After five for me, the factor on the turf. I know uh, Samich loves that angle. I really love it when it's one turn races for the factor on the turf. And I think after five is going to be awful tough. Listen, I had Ortiz rode last time and he rides again this time. I like that angle as well. So give me the number two after five. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you kind of look, I wanted to honestly pick, uh, I wanted to pick County Final. I picked that horse last time out at Kentucky Downs. The horse blazed early, backed off late. Uh, nice field though, out of door. One that Cohen won or finished third, uh, came back to run second last weekend in that uh, turf uh, turf stakes race at, at Keeneland, the Breeders' Cup race. Um, you know, lots to like here. Jose Ortiz back on board, but then I started. You know, you really dive in and you look at the numbers. In really the Wes two Wesley Wards. Yes, there is another Wesley Ward in here, all the way to the outside, Gypsy King. Um, but you look at the trade deal and uh, and after five, those two horses that finished one, two in that Kentucky Downs race. I'm with you. I, I really liked after five. You know, there's some quotes from Wesley Ward as well. It's like, listen, you know, it's really hard to debut a horse at Kentucky Downs because it's just a weird track. It's a huge track. It's intimidating. It's tough to get a horse to win on debut at Kentucky Downs, but it's a big time, you know, learning uh, lesson as well, you know. So this horse who barely beat, got beat by trade deal last time, now backs up a little bit, which we know going six and a half for a long set at Kentucky Downs, it's like going even longer, say at Belmont Park. So now backs up to six furlongs. This horse is gonna be super tight, I think. So I'd like after five. You know, there's a lot of, of angles in here. There's a horse, uh, uh, the what horse, the Momos, um, for Christophe Clement, who finished third to Jackie's Warrior. Um, I think, you know, you know, Saratoga Special last time out, trying tur uh, dirt or turf for the first time, you know, the, the quotes from Clement are, you know, he's been training well on the grass, so we thought we would try it, we could always bring him back to the main track. Yeah, this could be a case of, of uh, we could see Momos really running in, in, a, in any, a couple different races in the Breeders' Cup, you know. Um, this could be a matter of trying to avoid Jackie's Warrior. And, and running in a race like this because we know Clement can, can train on the turf very well. So the bottom line is it, it's hard for me. I ride Ortiz is back to ride. It's hard for me to go, at, go past after five. I'm with you. That's the horse. It's <laughs> so all the time we have tickets on racing.com for our free picks and our premium selections on our handicap products page. Click the products link at the main menu at racing.com to learn more. Remember, we've already been working on our all-inclusive wagering guide to the 2020 Breeders' Cup. Subscribe to Racing Dudes Premium and get this wager guide absolutely for free pre-sale will begin soon on our products page at racingnews.com i you know it's that time of the year i will start working on the annual trends 
guide as well, which is always really fun. Um, it's for free, uh, so it's just a way to kind of get people excited and kind of it, it's kind of it started off as almost a gimmick to 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 promote the guide, but it's turned into a thing. Like the the, the trends work. Uh, I it helps me study for races. I think a lot of people you like to use trends when it comes to uh, another. It's another uh, that's another really good example of when it becomes, you know, the Breeders' Cup are such challenging races, a lot of evenly matched horses, you find a trend. You know, Chad Brown's, you know, 70% on this race in the past 10 years. Well, hell, that's where, I, you know, that's where I'll lean, Chad Brown. So there's a lot of angles like that in there um, that will help you uh, handicap for the Breeders' Cup. So that'll be coming out probably the next, uh, gosh, two weeks. We're currently covering 30-plus tracks, offering free picks. We're on Twitter, at Racers Reduce, Instagram, and Facebook. Listen us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, even website, racers.com. Uh, we'll check out the Magic Mike Show and all those as well. They did the late pick four at Belmont on Saturday, so if you want more insight on those races, uh, go check them out on those same platforms. All right. I'm Jared Welch. He's Aaron Alterman. Good luck this week. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. Philly <laughs> has won the Preakness.